I just heard this phrase that people use in an office setting on Thursday. They call it Friday Junior. I guess they think the weekend's going to come quicker if they say Friday Junior on a Thursday. These are the same assholes who go hump day, happy hump day on a Wednesday, thinking the weekend's going to get there quicker. It's not. If you work in a work environment, you hear those two slogans, sue that company. You're working in a toxic work environment. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, well, welcome in, everybody. How in the hell are you on this, once again, Thursday drop for the weekly podcast? The Stone On Air podcast, to be exact. The, the so, what did I use to say? I didn't write down. The supposedly for-profit venture that's been anything but. The other one's paying a little, though, so I can handle that. It's April. It's my time. It's hashtag my month. And that open song fits perfectly for one of the segments I'm going to do today for no good reason other than just why not. More on that coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Try to keep this tidy into a little less than an hour. Hopefully I'll be able to do that. I have lots of little things to bounce around and get to the whole way through. None of it is important. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. A lot of dumb, not dumb, smart, interesting, dangerous, awful atrocities. You know, all kinds of things to talk about. I try to do, I just try to do fun things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. On the front end there, I, I think I've recycled that. And I think I got another piece of audio I've recycled from another time as well. I can't remember. I went on a stretch when I was working at Nuga Radio. The godforsaken worst radio station I've ever worked at. And I've worked at some bad, bad radio stations. I used a ton of audio there, and I think I used that on the front end, and I think I used one later as well. I can't remember, and I didn't podcast all of those. I podcast many of them, but not nearly all of them, so you might have heard that before, but I, I ran into that again on TikTok. It's just some random dude. He hadn't even done anything new in a long time, but it just it, it hit so well the day that I hit I ran into it because my office, oh my God, you hear me bitching about this all the time. The office space, the movie, that is my life Monday through Friday while I'm in this speaking of God forsaken places, this office. And the other day when I ran into that audio, I guess it was probably Tuesday. I can't remember. I was just having an awful day and uh, just didn't feel well and a whole bunch of other things. Nothing that is, that's overly important. It was just noise pollution and loud and people hollering and laughing and redneck ass and just 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 shut up already. We have conference rooms. We have conference room that's probably like 10,000 square feet. We have another conference room that's almost soundproof that's, you know, 500 square feet. We have countless offices that you can go and have your hooting and hollering and bullshit fest. And these numbnuts just do it up and down the hallways. And in this echo chamber, it was awful. Awful, awful. Great company. Love the company so much. But sometimes that hallway is just terrible. And that's all it is, is one big echo chamber of a hallway. And um, that day, that uh, that hit. Um, the April Fool's jokes. I don't remember if I talked about this last week or if it was April Fool's. Yeah, it was the day before April Fool's Day. It's just asinine. It's completely nonsensical. It's just it's just dumb, and just don't surround yourself with people who do this. Um, but I got duped, and I got duped by people I like nationally. I turned it on to PTI. Uh, it was uh, the fi- Final Four was starting, and it was Mike Wilbon and fill-in host, a guy who writes out of um, uh, uh, New York, a national name, uh, Frank Isola. And they started off the open segment the open subject i should say was mike shusevsky coach k steps down immediately to let his new head coach who's going to be on his staff who's already on his staff now finish the final four and i i I took it i i didn't immediately question it mainly because it's a source that i trust 
And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? They did the whole segment. It's like two minutes long about, I think this is terrible. I think this is good. And then afterwards, it was like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, don't, be, don't do that. Just don't be that person. Um, it is birthday weekend. Masters week begins today. Only time I watch golf all year long. I, I, I keep a small peripheral eye on golf throughout the year, but I don't watch it ever, 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 except for this weekend. And generally, really only on Sunday. I don't watch it on Saturday or Friday, unless I'm sitting at a bar and it's on. But I'll watch it all day long on Sunday if there's not a baseball game to watch, which there always is, so I balance the two out. So I'm uh, I'm excited about that. I got all next week off. I got a lot of small little things, little small little goals I'm trying to get to over the course of the next 10 days, and I'm um, really in a good mood overall. So, and I, I probably won't do a podcast next week because I won't feel like spending time on this because when I'm at work is when I work on this. Luckily, again, great job, great company. I have a lot of time to work on all this while I'm at work. Since I'm not going to be at work, I'd have to sit around and do this at home when I could be doing anything else. So I would rather do anything else than this. So I will take next week off. Um, let me lay out the show real quick, and then I'll, I'll continue to hit on my uh, just my my quick hits here at the on the open. Second segment of the show, because I just saw a, a long-winded article on it in Times Free Press the other day, the I-24, I-70 split, uh, 75 split uh, phase two has officially begun and I know it's not going to be that interesting to all that many people, especially if you're not from Chattanooga. And if you don't have to drive through it every day, you probably don't care hardly at all. Well, I drive through it every damn day and am fascinated by the way that this layout and this massive construction project is going and how people perceive it and how they do and don't understand it. I'm going to spend a segment on that. And in the final, um, I've done this before in the past. Usually around my birthday, I do something that has something to do with gen generational or, you know, look back in 1980 or 19, something like that. Well, Gen X was trending on Twitter yesterday, and I never really found out why. And I continued to go down the Twitter uh, trends and hashtags for a long time and found a lot of uh, very interesting and relatable content that I want to read a, lo a lot to you, and I am... Um, and I've got one more piece of audio I'll play for you that I also found uh, earlier today that I just absolutely love. Because why not? I'm 42 years old in damn three days. Let me do this for no good reason. I bet it'll be way better than that middle segment. Actually, I promise you it will be. And I think I'm going to do a stone's throw segment, which I have not done in a very, very long time. So if you're a new listener, which you're very likely not, You'll find out what the stone Stone's Throw segment is in the third segment. It's just basically complaining about something. Um, and again, it's just one of those things. Why not? At the end of this one, I've got the truest thing, the also true thing, and the coolest thing, which I'll lay out when we get down um, uh, towards the end of this open. So I saw this morning on Facebook, and I have not looked into it any further as far as figuring out exactly why. It, uh, it, it's happening, but the terminal is closing at the end of next week. So by the next time I record a podcast, the terminal will be gone. The bar brew house right next to the, uh, to the stir and the choo-choo and all that. And while I don't drink any of that beer, 12, 13 years ago when they opened, I did. I, I pretended to myself that I really liked it, even though I probably didn't, because I enjoyed that space so much. And my goodness, that food, their food is so, so damn good. Fun atmosphere, cool building, historical uh, space, great food, and the, really the first cool place of the revitalization of Main Street and the South Side. They were there way before it was cool to be there. They were there before any of those other hipster wannabe, whatever they are now in the choo-choo complex are. And some of those places are just fine. I'm not trying to be a hater. The terminal is the OG, as they say. And that sucks. The beer cheese soup, it's a beer sausage cheese soup, is to freaking die for. The burgers are great. The uh, apps are great. Uh, it, it, all of it. I mean, I haven't had the whole menu, but... It sucks. Sucks, sucks, sucks. So they're on their way out. Looks like it's just something to do with lease, money, that kind of thing. Who knows for sure. Um, 
The Bourbon and Beyond lineup was announced just in the last couple of days ago. I won't spend a ton of time on it uh, because it's in Louisville, and yeah, I'm not going. The, the, the days of traveling to cities far away, you know, any further than Atlanta or Nashville, I'm, I'm pretty much out of that game, basically because I've just been priced out. But uh, Alanis Morissette, Jack White, uh, headliners on, on Thursday. Friday, Kings of Leon and Brandy Carlisle will put me to sleep. But later on, Jason Isbell, Lucas Nelson, Courtney Barnett, I love to death. Saturday, uh, kind of an insulting double uh, headliner of Pearl Jam, obviously favorite of all time, and Greta Van Freaking Fleet. More on that stupid band here in just a second. Uh, Drive-By Truckers also that Saturday, so that'll be a fun day for me. And then on Sunday, Chris Stapleton, the Doobie Brothers. 50th anniversary with Michael McDonald. Can't imagine who cares about that. It's a very interesting lineup. It's got so much. Mike Campbell from Tom Petty, Marcus King, uh, plenty of names. I mean, very, 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 very good lineup. But I just can't, um, I can't come up with a really good opinion of this lineup other than this is a middle-aged white person's dream. I mean, an absolute uh, just mix of... Young, not so young, and old white people in Kentucky. So I can only imagine it'll be really awesome. Tickets, I pulled it up real quick. Tickets are at the the early bird right now that won't last long. Hundred bucks a day. That ends up going up to 130 a day. Weekend passes start at 270 a day. That'll end up being over 300. You'll pay 450 just to get in there for the whole weekend if you don't do it this moment, and then you'll pay 380 to 410, something like that. Uh, the 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 VIP prices are anywhere from seven hundred dollars to sixteen hundred dollars, and when you get there, all you'll find is fifteen to twenty dollar uh, bourbon drinks and Budweiser beer. Budweiser is the the beer sponsor. Countless bourbon and whiskey, whichever one is Kentucky's, I guess is bourbon. You'll find uh, plenty of that. And take your wallet. And you better have a lot of money, or you better save a lot, or you better have a lot of room on your credit card. Because that's going to cost a lot, and um, you know, it, I'm sure it's going to be fun. But that just that that world's just not for me anymore. Um, speaking of things that are not for me anymore, I went to JJ's on Friday to see my uh, good friend's band play. And I, JJ's I used to go to all the time, and smoking inside and drinking, you know, crappy light beer or not so crappy beer or whatever they are serving, and uh, maybe smoking some dope on the back, and then going and watching music. I mean, that was something we did all the time a decade ago. Still did it occasionally five years ago, five, six years ago, just occasionally. Well, that's also something I'm not going to do anymore. I went in there and hung around for about two hours, saw my band play, and how I still have hearing, I don't understand. My ears were blasted out, and I sat around in places that was that loud every time I went, countless, countless, countless times. I will never go into a place that small without some kind of uh, ear protection of some kind. I mean, it was almost painful it was so loud. And the cigarette smoking in a small place like that. I mean, it was literally, completely, literally a really terrible place for my health. When my health is something I think about more now than I have in uh, ever, basically. Uh, I mentioned Ozark coming back here in the next couple of weeks. Just saw on my new Direct TV that I love to death. Better Call Saul. Is on AMC, at which DirecTV has. I've got all the channels. I love it. Uh, they, it comes back for its final season. Finally. It's been a couple of years now. And um, if you get it, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But another April fantastic, uh, in this case, surprise, because I didn't know that it was coming. Braves tonight. Can't wait. Set to defend the title. I won't bore you with any of that anymore. Um I want to get to this Georgia sports betting for a minute and then the audio. Uh, but there was one more thing I thought I wanted to do. Oh, Red Wolves. Went to the Red Wolves and was pleasantly surprised at how nice of a time it was. I am a CFC all the way around guy, but now that I'm not downtown all the time, I, I, I don't guess I'm an anybody guy anymore. I don't go to any games regularly. I was shocked at how much fun it was very expensive and very disorganized but that's not to be um that's not a surprise that it would be disorganized on the opening night it was sold out packed a lot of work they got to do still a lot of development they're not even paved parking lots over there that was a little bit of an issue but it was uh it was packed 
They have this brand new, really nice area, bar, food, a uh, place to watch the game from inside, uh, full bar, everything you could want. I, I am shocked that they've been able to pull this off, especially as they were just getting started, as the pandemic was becoming uh, the fake scare that it was. But, um, hey, I'm an Eastridge guy. They're an Eastridge product. Go Red Wolves. I'm all about it. So, real quick, is just the kind of the only subject matter I'll spend any amount of time more than just a mention is this Georgia sports betting thing. I thought this was a slam dunk. I thought it was over. I thought they were in. And Georgia was now going to finally be able to get like a, a much of the rest of the country and certainly a bunch of other southern states that I would have not thought beat Georgia there. I mean, hell, Georgia's had the lottery since I was a kid or at least a teenager. And, um, you know, that was the boogeyman for the longest time. And, you know, Tennessee didn't have it until, I don't know, a decade ago or so. But, yeah, it did not pass. I had a thing that had more ex- numbers on it, but I won't uh, – I already trashed that because it was just a bunch of jargon. This is the he- the the uh, highlight at the end of this piece that I, I want to read to you real quick that makes it even more ridiculous. It's going to be at least two years before Georgia gets sports betting online uh, passed if they – you know, they, even though but we thought it was going to happen this time, so who knows. Uh, Before Monday's deadline, SB 142 was amended to legalize sports betting through the state lottery, one of the only forms of gaming allowed under the state constitution. So they were trying to include it within the already uh, on-the-books laws of the state lottery. Uh, Passage would have required about 38 fewer votes than a constitutional amendment, though it's uncertain whether it would withstand a legal challenge. Georgia's lack of gambling also means if it ever legalizes sports betting, it's going to take a while to launch. This is because Georgia lacks the regulatory structure many other states have in place to oversee casinos and racetracks. It took Tennessee, another state without casinos, nearly 18 months to launch after a legalized online betting. With 2023, now Georgia's next chance to pass a bill and the need to create a gaming commission, the earliest online sports betting apps could enter the state is late 2024 if lawmakers opt for a ballot measure instead, so where they put it out there for people to vote on, you know, on on a, on the uh, on the ballot, it could take even longer. This is something they don't need the public's uh, voting for the way they're putting it as an amendment to something that's already on the books. I don't know what the best way to do it is, but what the hell are you doing? What are you doing, Georgia? Come on now. All right. Uh, truest thing, Adam Kinzinger, uh, House member out of Illinois. You've heard of him by now. If you care, you know. I won't spend a lot of time explaining who he is or why he's doing what he does, but this is a, just a video he put out because he was tired. Even it said on the tweet, I'm tired of tweeting about this. Here's just a quick mention of the nonsense that's coming out of, specifically he's talking about his party, but really all of uh, of Washington, all of Congress. This is today's truest thing. I mean, I, I'm in here looking at a minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, who hasn't really said a word about his members that have shown Putin sympathy. I, I never could have imagined my party would not just even have somebody that's showing Putin sympathy, but would not vomit them out if they rose their ugly head. And then the latest outrage of the day is some woke thing on Disney or whatever it is, you know, Dr. Seuss we've moved on from. I got to tell you, we've got a bunch of children in this job. We've got a bunch of people that sit around. The world order is being challenged for the first time since World War II. And they're sitting around thinking today about how we can win our next election, what the newest outrage is, what's the next thing we can do to get people angry and upset and get their money from them for our re-election. We are being governed by a bunch of children. I mean, there is a genocide going on in Ukraine, and the outrage is over what's happening in a Walt Disney. You guys deserve way better. I mean, I'm glad I'm leaving here in a year because I'm just being surrounded by a bunch of children. So let's grow up. Yeah, let's do grow up. And you know, I get it. You can say these things when you know you're not running again. Um it's just, it's just, it's so stupid. Um, this is not stupid. Well, it, it is stupid. The reason it's having to be even addressed. The also true thing, this is represent, Representative Jamie uh, Raskin on uh, on the House floor about marijuana legalization. 
So it's legal in 18 states. In 27 states, it's been decriminalized. And in 36 states, medical use of marijuana. What a massive outbreak of common sense in America against the GOP's failed authoritarian war on marijuana that depends on paranoid tropes from the 1970s. It's like they saw reefer madness in middle school and never got over it. I concede our party is not for the kind of cocaine-fueled orgies that a freshman Republican representative bragged about, but we do understand that their marijuana prohibition laws don't work for our people. Such political, nonsensical theater that any of this goes down, but yes, that is an also true thing. And real quick on the way out, it was the anniversary of the death of the great Kurt Cobain. Uh, what's that, Matt? 27 years ago or eight years ago in 1994 on April 5th, that exact same day in 2002, Lane Staley of Allison Chains was found dead. So as I stumbled through social media, I found Lane Staley's isolated vocals from Wood. We'll tell it. We'll call it the song Wood. We'll call it today's coolest thing. Yo, Lane Staley from Allison Chains, isolated vocals part two. always love finding the uh, raw audio of some of these things. And if I were to put my list really quick in my head of favorite Seattle bands from that time frame, the grunge movement, Pearl Jam, obviously, number one. I believe Allison Chains would probably probably be number two. Nirvana would be number three. And then Soundgarden would be number four of the Seattle-only bands. I, I love Nirvana, but I think I would have to put Allison Chains one step ahead at number two with Soundgarden, definitely coming in at number four of the big four to come out of the Seattle scene at that time. All right, coming up next, I'll take a quick look at this I-24, I-75 phase two that's about to start, or is actually, I guess, starting kind of now, and the, the construction project that will seemingly never end, that I think in the end will be fantastic, might be five, six years from now when it's done, who knows, but based on reaction results, it hasn't been that good. And then we'll take a look at Gen X uh, at the tail end of the show. This is a Stone on Air podcast. Stone on Air will be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. The next phase of the I-75, I-24 interchange modification project is in the works. It'll be funded into the 2022 fiscal year budget. This will include improving and widening uh, the I-24 corridor from Spring Creek Road Bridge to west of Belvoir Avenue and some additional work along I-75 to near the East Brainerd Road interchange. At least one additional lane will be added in that area and there will also be some improved ramps. As of now, the Region 2 spokesperson for the Tennessee Department of Traffic, Jennifer Flint, said there is no timeline or cost on the project yet. However, she says Phase 1 cost $132.6 million. I swear, bro, just let me build one more lane. I swear we're going to fix traffic. Just build, just build one more lane. Just let me build one more lane. Just let me build one more lane. I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear we're going to fix traffic. Just, just one more lane and just make it bigger. Just make it bigger. We're going to fix traffic. It's going to fix traffic. It's going to fix traffic. It's going to fix traffic. This is Living Color. Doing Jimmy's Crosstown traffic. I just realized I didn't come back to the Greta Van Fleet thing. I'm pretty sure I said, Greta Van Fleet, I'll get back to that. I don't think I got back to it. Um, I'll get back to it at another time. I'll just leave you with, 
I hate that band. I think they suck so bad. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. And there's so many people that think I'm awful for saying that, but oh my God, they're just a bunch of scam artists. They're absolutely awful. They're terrible. They're plagiarists. I mean, it shouldn't be legal. They should be sued. They should be bankrupt. They should be finished. Instead, they're celebrated as some kind of rebirth of rock and roll. They're copycats. And that wasn't even the main point I was going to try to make. I had a dream about them once. And I don't really remember it well enough to tell it in detail anyway. So maybe another time. So uh, it was not long ago. Hold on. Before I do that. Um, I, so I, I talked about the other week that I got the Nielsen ratings book in the, as they call it, as we call it, the book in uh, in my mailbox. And it said, you know, here's two bucks. I think it was $2. And then we'll send you five more if you fill this thing out. And just for the fun of it, I filled it out and I took the two bucks and I'm still waiting on the other five. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Um, and then it was just, just shortly after that, I got another thing in the mail from TDOT. And it had a $2 bill glued to it. You know that, like, glue that your credit card comes in the mail and you just got to kind of pull it off? It just It's like rubber cement or something. It's kind of like rubber cemented onto the sheet. This is heavy card stock, and it's a freaking $2 bill. I don't know if that's there just to get your attention. I think a $1 bill would get you just as much of attention. I don't know. I like weird things, so I'll take your $2 bill. But it said, Dear Chattanooga resident, I'm just going to read the very open here. You are invited to complete a survey about your transportation needs and experiences. This study is sponsored by the Tennessee Department of Transportation and the U.S. Department of Transportation and conducted by IPSOS Research. You will receive $10 if you complete this five-minute survey. Well, I'm going to take your $10 every time you're going to give it to me. Maybe the joke's on me. Maybe I gave away my identity and, and, and now the IRS and TDOT and everybody's got my you know, retina scan. I don't know. I don't care. But it was not five minutes. It was more like 25 minutes. But I have time at work, so it was no big deal. And it was just a bunch of questions that were just, uh, some of it was diary of your day. And I went ahead and took it seriously because I was like, I, I do think that research is good, especially for major highway projects and major, um, you know, uh, uh, planning for metropolitan areas and suburban areas. I think having input from just the average person walking around is a good idea. So I gave a thorough, real uh, answered questions to, uh, well, at least mostly real answered questions. And one of them literally was from this time to this time, a 24 hour period, where did you go? When did you leave? Get on the map, uh, like the Google Maps, and put in your address. And, you know, what do you drive and gas mileage and all this stuff. I went ahead and did it just because I just did. But then it asked a bunch of other questions that didn't matter near as much. But some of the one, like one of them here was in the past 30 days, did you use the following to get from place to place? A taxi? No. E-scooter? No. Public transit for me? All these are no. Motorcycle? No. Walking? No. Bicycling? No. Ride share such as Uber, Lyft? Yes. Um, one of these was, let's see, I thought this was, you know, a couple of them were worth doing. Which of the following transportation investments are most important for your state to focus on? You may select up to three choices. I won't reach you all the choices, but the ones that I picked were building new roads, improving traffic signs and signals, maintaining, reconstructing existing roads. Another one that I didn't pick were add more bike lanes. Yeah, no more bike. I don't, I don't need any more damn bike lanes. Um, adding more high occupancy vehicle lanes. Chattanooga is not in the game for that. Maybe Nashville is, but Chattanooga's not. Um, building and maintaining sidewalks. I think we do fine with that. Expanding funding for public transportation. Tennessee actually ranks, I've seen these numbers I don't have in front of me, very, very high in the money spent publicly on transportation in all four of the major cities and all throughout the state. We really spend a lot. Is that You can argue that that's good or bad. I think that it's good. I think we already focus a lot of money on transportation. We don't need to do any more than one of them was adding more recreational trails, which in Chattanooga, we certainly have plenty of those. Um, two more here real quick, and then I'll get to the other thing here on the specifics of I-75 and I-24. Uh, there are a number of reasons why people don't walk or bike as much as they could. Which of the following is an important reason why you don't walk or bike more often to your destinations? You may select up to three. I selected safety concerns. 
I selected prefer to drive, and I selected another reason, and then had to drop down, what's the other reason? I put riding a bike sucks. <laughs> so um, some of the other words, too much traffic, no one to walk or bike with, health issues, no, no nearby paths or trails, that kind of thing. So some of those questions are quite useful. And then the final one here, it said it was a COVID thing. So since COVID, uh, do you do things, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I do them exactly the same. I don't do anything different than I would have done before then. Stop asking me stupid COVID-19 questions. So that just happened to fall into the fact that I was going to talk about this. And I figured I'd throw that out there. And I'm waiting on my $10. A little while back, Roger Allen Wade, everybody knows who he is, legend of the area, who I have very fortunately been able to become a, a, a I'm not going to say a close friend, but when I see Roger in public, we hug and he knows my name's Brian. And, and I like that. I, I find that to be special. And it took me years to build that relationship. And I did it very deliberately. But he posted on his Facebook page sometime in the not so far distant past, but a little ways back. And I made a note to self on this to come back to it. It says, please find the bird brains that design this interchange and give them some other job. They are not very good at interchange designing. How the hell do you take something so screwed up and somehow manage to screw it up even more? And because of his status of how many you know people interact on his page, it's just hundreds of comments. And when I first saw it, it was brand new and there was only some comments. And much of it was like, oh, government money, stupid, stupid people, stupid uh, roadwork people, stupid T dot stupid this they're all so dumb you know that's that's where the lowest common denominator and even the more higher to middle uh, middle to higher common denominator still always do that eh, that's dumb he's stupid they're stupid they're dumb yeah, stop stop get, get a little more creative than that um, these people aren't dumb they know exactly what they're doing again if this is not important to you and you don't even go to that side of town you're not gonna know what I'm talking about but uh, I, I printed off some of these things that they, they were going back and forth with. Uh, people arguing with each other. I thought it was interesting. I guess I'm not going to read it now because there's just no reason to. But um, one of the best comebacks was from, or contributors to the thread was Hoppy. If anybody, if you all remember, Hoppy used to own the Stone Lion and many other places in town, Mark Hopkins. And he said, uh, this is mainly screwed up because it wasn't addressed 30 years ago. And it got into a pretty funny back and forth with some other numb nuts, but... I'll, uh, I'll let that sit right there. So just to give you an example of people online and just in regular walks of life talking about, oh, how ridiculous this is. And I did it for a minute because I did talk about it on the show before I understood and paid attention to what was going on. These are two different phases. And it was um, it's a joint venture when you're dealing with the, the, the state line. It's a joint venture between TDOT and GDOT. And only Georgia Department of Transportation cares about Georgia and only TDOT cares about Tennessee. And so sometimes you're not worried about some of the other problems. So the biggest thing here was the initial issue was open up I-75. Open up I-75 from Georgia getting into Tennessee and Tennessee getting into Georgia. Because I-75 is one of the most traveled interstates on this, you know, this side of the, of the Mississippi River. You know, I I ninety five over you know in the Beltway going all the way up to Boston. I'm sure it probably has maybe more volume, but seventy five runs all the way to the bottom of Florida, all the way to Michigan. I think I've got my my mental geography working here. I know it goes to Florida because I've driven it, and I know it goes at least to I don't know Indiana through Knox through uh, 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 Kentucky and. I think all the way up to at least Ohio, somewhere in there. So I-75 is a massive transit for all travel. And so the biggest thing was get it opened up so we can get 75 flowing better. Now, when 24 branches off to head towards Nashville and downtown Chattanooga access, well, yeah, we want to make that good too because everybody wants to have a better flowing interstate. But I-24, which begins right there, I don't know how far I-24 goes. It goes all the way across the state of Tennessee. I guess it goes into Arkansas, and who knows where it ends. I'm not sure. But it ain't no I-75. So the fact that the 24 connection here is a mess is not, um, is not a concern of anybody who this first phase was designed for. As you come into Tennessee from North Georgia, it is backed up 24 hours a day. 
because it's still that one lane. But that's the flowing into Tennessee. That's what we're going to address in phase two. When you're coming into Tennessee, I-75 from North Georgia, I know it's a little confusing because they've swapped the exits around. It's huge. It's upwards of six lanes. All the way up, it might even hit seven lanes at one point. At least six. And then it quickly uh, it loses lanes as it gets closer to East Brainerd and back to where it's in a manageable, uh, a manageable amount of space to hold all that volume. It's just when you're making those transitions, you need to open it up some. And that's what they've done, and they're done with that. The problem with going to downtown Chattanooga, uh, westbound on 24, is you still didn't open that up. You still have those two lanes, and you still didn't open up from 75 north. That's just down to that one lane that brings you in right there at Spring Creek and Moore Road and Germantown and the terrace where Brainerd's on your right and East Ridge is on your left as you're just about to get to the ridge cut. And it's a mess every day, and I drive through it every damn day. And you can tell that there's enough room to put these extra lanes in. So everybody looks around and they're thinking, what the hell is going on here? There's so much room here. Why aren't we driving on it? Well, because look ahead, bro. This going back to 1955 or whatever year it was, where you can see as you drive down that terrace area to where the, you know, the movie theater and Provino's and the furniture joints all on your left and all that neighborhood is out on your right. If you look, you can see the barriers, the wall barriers that are just about three feet high. On both sides of the interstate, but especially on the right side going towards downtown, were the roads once upon a time connected, and they just blew through those, took out whatever property was there, and built the interstate. That that happened, you know, 75 years ago. And it's, it is actually very cool to see that grid. You'll see where one street stops and look across the interstate and see where that street picks back up, where it used to connect in 1955. So between those two areas where they made the interstate, you know, where Eisenhower, you know, with his this idea, which was a fantastic idea at the time, there's not enough room. You can't put any more lanes in. The uh, the barrier between east and west on 24, just through that section before you before you get or just after you've left the ridge cut, the barrier is the the pillar of the bridges of, of the old bridges that have yet to be replaced. I'm assuming the next two, the other two bridges that haven't been replaced yet will be. You can't put another lane there without taking out those bridges and reconfiguring completely how you come in from both Georgia and from from coming in from East Brandon Road and coming in from Knoxville. And if you really pay attention and look, yeah, this is going to work out. How are they going to do it? Hell, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I can't figure this out on my own until I read a few things, take a look at it and can see, oh, all right. Now, so they're just phase two, literally. I had stuff to read, but I won't. I'm just going to ramble and then get on to the rest of the show. Um, it's, it's soil testing. It's bidding out the uh, the the job. And it's going to have to take out two more bridges and add lanes on the outside coming in rather than on the inside because there is no room on the inside. It has to be completely reconfigured. And then you have the challenge that will never not be a problem until you dynamite the thing, which I'm not advocating for doing. But then you're going to go back into the ridge cut that you cannot widen, not without another $150, $200 million project. So this is a time-consuming thing that people who are experts at their fields and spend millions and hundreds of millions of dollars and people who spend their entire lives studying this very, very critical science and mathematics, they know what they're doing and it takes people who do the kind of work that any of us can't even imagine or even dream of doing and do it over the course of generations. It's actually a marvel that I find fascinating. And to watch people, oh, they're so stupid, dummies. They don't know. Oh, God, get out of here. Another microcosm of just the way we operate as a society. And it's like, oh, and that's so ugly. It looks stupid. What are you talking about? If I were to start grading inter- interche- intersections that I've seen in the last, I don't know, five to ten years of my life, it would rank in the top five. If the Atlanta's got some pretty impressive looking work going on right now, so does well Nashville's. They're still getting some of their shit together. It's gorgeous. If you just took a snapshot of it and made it a postcard, it is pretty as hell. But it's not very functional. Not from Tennessee's standpoint. 
from Georgia into Tennessee's, it's working seemingly pretty well. But from Tennessee to stay in Tennessee or Georgia to get into the state, it's not very good. And uh, But that was no shit, dude. <laughs> that was what we all knew that if you wanted to pay attention. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I didn't pay that close of attention. Then I started to, then I started to realize it, and then I listened to a bunch of dummies argue about it on the wasteland that is really every social media except for TikTok, which and it's not designed to have these kinds of conversations. All right, done with that. Move along. Wrap things up with the final segment of the show. Gen Z, we're dangerous people. I have a feeling most people that listen to this show are either Gen Z, Gen Z, one of my help, sorry, Gen X, Gen X, Gen X, Gen X, not Gen Z. Gen X, we are dangerously uh, careful and methodical people. Watch out. And if you're not a Gen Xer, you would, I bet, sympathize in some way with the plight of, of our world. And uh, I'll explore all that coming up next. Back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com Under youth, the media characterized Gen X as disaffected, apathetic, cynical, and slackers. They were the MTV generation, lived through the rise of music videos, grunge music, and hip-hop. They were rebellious and reluctant to grow up. But eventually, we all have to become adults, and when Gen Xers did, they proved everyone wrong about the stereotypes they were boxed into. According to a Stanford University study, Gen X youth were indeed more cynical and disaffected than previous generations were in their youth. In fact, perhaps the latchkey generation learned to work hard and be independent by being unable to rely as much on their parents, and that's what led to their success as adults. It turns out that disrupting the status quo is a pretty good business model and a great engine for innovation. Because Gen Xers grew up in an analog world before the personal computer, they have a unique perspective on how to bridge the past with our future. I believe this is a key behind their success, but also why they seem to be overlooked today. Most people now take for granted the major changes made by Gen Xers. Gen Xers were the first gamers, choosing to stay home, playing with their Atari and Nintendo video game systems. The Gen X demand for VHS tapes to watch their favorite movies and shows at home whenever they want has evolved into today's streaming services like Netflix and Hulu. Oasis version. Talking about my generation. So yeah, I don't have any idea why Gen X was trending on Twitter the other day, but people had a lot of fun with it, and I'm going to do the same. I've done these kinds of, you know, comparisons over the years, different mediums, I won't do much of it, but I don't think your generation is defined by what year you were born. It's not a math problem. You know, it's not, it's not subtract this and add this, and now this is what generation you're in. I think it's more of a Mindsets, more of a lifestyle, and um, many of the numbers say that a Gen Xer is. Let me pull this one: 1965 to 1980. Uh, yeah, you know, whatever. So that would put me the youngest Gen Xer ever if we're only using math and numbers. But I have identified as a as a young Gen Xer for a very, very, very long time. Even though there was a stretch at some point into the new uh, century when I was just at that time, 20, 21, 22 years old, and really started to get, uh, I don't know, I don't know the best way to describe it is, not intoxicated by or obsessed with, but very, very interested in the way the world tech was going on a very simplistic way because anybody older than me, especially 10 to 15 years older than me, the, the boomers, as we would say, or the, the older Gen Xers, they didn't know what the hell 
this stuff was. And so for a little while, you could have said, yeah, a little millennial punk over there. But in, in 2001, 2002, millennial wasn't a term yet. You know, that word had never been mentioned out loud before. And so by the time people started to use that that terminology for, for naming a generation, I was long removed from that and um, and far more suited to be into the Gen X category. And I am very, I've always been, since I understood what it was, very proudly, if I, there was such a thing, a card-carrying member of this generation. I found this, which I've used before, just earlier today. I would have used it as a rejoin, but I didn't feel like changing it, so I just grabbed it real quick. This is from TikTok, Twitter, wherever. Uh, a dude talking. Give me 60 seconds. This is this is perfect. This is absolutely fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about Generation X. The generation so terrifying they couldn't even give it a fucking name. So Gen Xers were raised in a very interesting period of time. They were raised by baby boomers, so they, they knew a very older and maybe kind of feral way to exist and live their life. But then they were also old enough, so when the internet and a lot of new technology started coming out, they also knew a lot more. So they had this kind of ability to cherry pick the best traits of baby boomers and millennials, which makes them some of the most dangerous fucking people in the world. Most of the Gen Xers <laughs> I knew either went to the military, went to rehab, or went to jail. That means the ones that are left are fucking survivors. So for as many changes in music and style and culture that you think you've been through, in the last 50 years, they've been through the most. Also, mental illness wasn't uh, trendy back then. So uh, any kind of mental illness that they had, they usually didn't get any treatment for it. So they had to learn how to cope with it themselves. Medications weren't as delicate or as effective back then. And that leaves you with some very fucking interesting people. Get yourself a Gen X friend, but they'll probably just tell you to fuck off. <laughs> That's the perfect ending. <laughs> So good. Uh, so this is one guy who did a thread real quick. A few things that stuck out to me. It's 10 things. I'm only going to read about three of them. It says, Gen X is weird. These 42 to 57-year-olds are so strange it presents golden opportunities. Here are 10 mind hacks to use with Gen X. Again, I'll just do at least three, maybe four. Motivate Gen X with two phrases. Do it your way and or don't sweat the rules. Many Gen, X, Gen Xers grew up in divorced single-parent homes, so were forced to be self-reliant and unsupervised early on. They want independence to get it done their way. And I'll go a step further to say, even if it wasn't divorced single-parent homes, it was a home where both the parents worked. Long hours. Uh, my, I have both. They were working at the same time, long hours, and then they were divorced. So I, I think that applies to, to both. Um, focus on Gen X on mission and results, not seniority, effort, or hours worked. You'll often hear a Gen Xer say, if someone gets the job done in half the time, that's fine. That I would word even more definingly as that's absolutely perfect. It's turned into a, a mantra of mine of the last 10 years. You've likely heard me do it before. Don't judge me on seniority, effort, or hours work. Judge me on freaking results. If you've hired me to do something for eight hours, or that's what you think it'll be, and I do it in four under your bogus, antiquated hourly pay system, then you I'm not worth half the amount of money you were going to pay me. I'm worth twice the amount of money you were going to pay me. But in this system, in old man boomer system, you've cut my value in half. And that's not right, and we're not going to do that. And you'll lose quality, productivity, and, uh, and effort because of it. Hourly pay. Get the F out of here. Another one is um, expect Gen X to want a work-life separation. Expect them to be friendly but not friends at work. Unlike recent generations who bring their personal life to work, we're not here to make friends. And that's also true with the millennials, the way the work environment has been transformed. And I'm not even saying the way they do things is wrong, but they do have more of a, we're a big family. We're a bunch of friends. We bring in a keg and, and our dogs to work, you know, on Friday to have a little social hour. And uh, what do you need done, dude? <laughs> what do you need? Tell me what it is. I'll get it done to the best of my ability. We'll decide how much it's going to compensate me and then we'll move along. I'm not going to hate you or treat you poorly, but you don't. we don't have to be good buddies here. Very, very much a Gen X thing. And then just a couple, of, I just put uh, some underlines. Over. Poor grammar drives Gen X nuts. They grew up when institutions 
weren't to be trusted. And Gen Xers always say, tell me how it is. Cut out the fluff. No nonsense. I don't know if you're describing every Gen Xer, but you're sure as hell describing me. So then I started going down the uh, Twitter uh, trending tags. I'll just read you some of these, and I'll wrap this thing up here pretty soon. Uh, Gen X has proved that if you leave children to their own devices, they'll turn out to be happy adults who leave people alone, mind their own business, and age gracefully while having some badass stories to tell their grandkids. I see Gen X is trending. If you're trying to drag us into something, all I have to say is keep our generation name out your effing mouth. (laughs) Thought that was pretty good. Uh, Don't mess with Gen X. We're the goddamn inventors of apathy. Or do mess with us. Who cares? It's not like it matters. Uh, Things you can thank a Gen X for tattoos and piercings being acceptable, casual workplace dress. Video games, comic books, D&D, and nerd hobbies being acceptable, bringing hip-hop, industrial, metal, and punk to the mainstream, and questioning everything and trusting nothing. This was with a picture associated with it. These were all released within 44 days of each other in 1991. Hashtag Gen X. Metallica's Black Album, Pearl Jam 10, Guns N' Roses, Usual Illusion 1 and 2, Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger, and Nirvana's Nevermind. All within 44 days of each other. Here's one I thought was great that has nothing to do with what we're doing here so far. How do I explain to my Gen X parents that the news is something you sit down and watch for 30 minutes and not some insidious background noise for the entire day? (laughs) That's good. Uh, The main thing you need to know about the Gen X discourse is that with Gen X and older millennials, they had the same parents. It's literally your older brother bragging that his childhood was harder than yours when you had the exact same VCR. Uh, I hate the mind hack wording, but this is accurate. I can't imagine growing up now with helicopter parents supervising my life and iPhones providing evidence of all my adventures for forever. I love being Gen X and growing up free to F up, deal with the consequences, and move on. Perfect. Another one. If you don't have, if, if you didn't have to get an emergency tetanus shot because you stepped on a rusty nail that one time, are you even Gen X? <laughs> I didn't have to do that, but we were playing ball in the backyard in College Dale in probably 1992 or three, and we had wooden pieces for bases, and one of them had a rusty nail through it, and it got flipped upside down. And my good best friend back in the day, Jason Garrett, stepped on it as he was rounding the plate when we were playing wiffle ball or whatever it was in the backyard. We had to rush him to the doctor to get a tetanus shot. And then a few memes here, and then I'll, I'll do this quick stone throw and we'll be done. Uh, If you want to know why Gen Xers are always mad, it's because we had to replace our record collections with a tape collection that was then replaced with a CD collection that was then replaced with MP3s. And God damn it, how many times must I pay to listen to grunge? Uh, Boomers then. If it's too loud, you're too old. Boomers today, get off my lawn. Gen X then. Never trust authority. Gen X today. In hindsight, that was accurate. Millennials then. Never listen to anyone over 30. Millennials today, we're over 30 now. Listen to us. And Gen Z, 30. That's kind of old. Two more. This is like, it looks like a a flyer for a a show or something. It says, from eight tracks to mixtapes to streaming online, Generation X, the forgotten middle child, 1965 to 1980, independent, resourceful, and self-sufficient. We made whatever in emotion. And then the last one, it's a meme with two women yelling, one each, one with black hair, one with blonde hair. You've seen them all on any of the social medias where they use them. We're like, I'm mad at you and I'm mad at you. And then the bottom one is his third picture. And the first one has the one girl screaming. It says boomers. The other one has a girl screaming. It says millennials. And the other one at the bottom has uh, the dude Lebowski. It says Gen X and he's smoking a joint. In the bathtub. Once again, a perfect uh, visualization, which I know doesn't work very well on a podcast. This is kind of involving that same kind of thing. I'll wrap it up. And really, I just stumbled on my old audio and I wanted to play it. Heads up. It's... 
Stone's Throw. Wait, what? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. Beep, beep. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? So this is what I used to use six or seven years ago. All that audio is pretty old. When I wanted to complain about something. And that's what I'm going to do, kind of, but not really in a mad way again. I just really wanted to hear that. I haven't done that in a long time. And uh, real quick, I'll preface it by saying, once upon a time, probably 15, 16, 17 years ago, Letitia Wolf, my first sweetheart, my first girlfriend, my love of my life for many years, and one of my best friends of all time, who is quite literally a rock star, who I am so lucky and happy to have in my life and has enriched my life from the minute I met her. Um, so I absolutely adore her. She left a message just randomly one day, and I love when something just out of nowhere happens and it just sticks with you forever. On my uh, MySpace page, because MySpace was, if you know, you know, was just a, a creative's dream to make uh, to make something out of nothing when you were young and didn't really know how to do that much on a computer anyway. And uh, she left me a message that said, man, I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close. It was like, man, I love looking at your page. You always were who you were going to be. And that's rare. That might be verbatim. Very well might be. And it's always stuck with me. To me, it was the ultimate compliment. For a minute, I thought, well, that means I've never changed. I've never grown. I've never gotten better. No, no, no. I've done all those things. But the core has always been the same. And, and anybody who knows me, authenticity and, and anything genuine and unique is, is, is things that I strive for and I find to be some of the most important things in my life. And just the fact that that to be just randomly recognized from somebody I cherish their thoughts so much has stuck with me all these years. That was probably like 2005 or six or something like that. Anyway, so the reason for doing this is, is the, the, the idea that 90s fashion is back is laughable. And that's the headlines you're going to find in the news stories over the last couple of years is 90s is back, 90s is back. No, there's some 90s flavor that's back. Some of the young kids are listening to some of that music, and I'm thankful for that. I, I, I think that's great. But especially with young woman, female uh, fashion, this idea that they're, they're, they're wearing you know the cool clothes of the 90s is not true and completely laughable. What it is, it's a it's a, uh, a transformed bastardization of clothes from the 1990s, especially these very good-looking women. Go to Champies any day. All the hot females in there working the bar, they're, they're, they're sweethearts. Love them all. They look like clowns with these dumb pants on. They're wearing the mom jeans. That, that was not 90s fashion. That's what our parents, the boomers, were wearing because they didn't dress cool like we did. Go to my Twitter and my Instagram or wherever else it is. It's been there my entire social media life. I have been fading in and out of fashion since 1997. I was 11, 10, 11 to start the, the, the decade. I was 1920 to end the decade. I know what fashion in the 1990s was. And it wasn't wearing mom jeans and going and cutting them all up to look like total just rags. Now, we did cut up jeans. The, the less cool people, at least the way we perceived it, did that. You weren't supposed to do that. You were supposed to wear them out on your own. But we all cheated a little bit. And then all the posers cheated every time. Fraying up the cap bill, right? Dusting, throwing around in the dirt, which, again, I'm not saying I never did. But I also still understood the authenticity of having real worn-out clothes um, that really made that look that perfect. I know what 1990s fashion looks like, and young women across the country and anybody else who thinks you're bringing back the 1990s, that ain't you. You look like a fool. You look like you went somewhere and said, hey, I would like, I'm, a, I'm very pretty. I have a very nice physique. I would like you to sell me something that makes my ass and my legs and my hips look dumb as hell. And, oh, by the way, the waiting on a flood thing, which a lot of these pants are riding real high with the Doc Martens. You're keeping it real with the Docs. I'm good with that. That's fine. Yeah, nobody who was cool waited on a flood, as we called it. That was not cool 90s fashion. And maybe you're not trying to be cool. 
and that's fine. But that's just my point. I get it. I understand what was and wasn't cool. And if you're not trying to mimic or bring back cool 90s fashion, then, hey, you do you. Who am I to tell you or them or anybody what to do and what to wear and how to live their life? I am not a millennial hater. I am not a boomer hater. I'm a lover of the greatest generation. I'm not a Gen Z hater. I don't know or care anything about those little rugrats. But I know one thing, and one thing's for sure. Generation X, we are battle-tested, and we don't F around. We are absolutely no nonsense. We get things done. We're proud, but don't F with us too much, or we'll walk away because we redefined what apathy was. And though we didn't coin the term, no fucks left to give, We were the ones that first shown an entire generation that were quite literally out of fucks to give. And that is all I have for you for April 7th, 2022. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you whenever it is your birthday. Enjoy yourself. It's going to be a chillier than I would like to see, but still a very pretty weekend. Lots of baseball, golf, music. This is the best time of year. Regardless if you agree or not, enjoy yourself. And we'll do it again in probably about 10 to 12, 13 days from right now. See you later. Love you. Bye.